Welcome to the Reclaim Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at reclaimchurchtx.com. All right. So, first of all, um, man, you know, when, when I walked in here, is undeniably the Spirit of God was in this place. And to feel that, it just feels so good. It feels so good. And I honor your pastors, uh, Mike and Jess. I, I just honor them for allowing that culture to be built here. And I, I think, you know, a lot of, of, what we, of what we try to do, you know, in the network and in the churches is have these God moments, these experiences, because experiences are undeniable. Those experiences, one experience can just propel you for the rest of your life. Because I had an experience like that myself. When I, you experience God, you're experiencing something different. Something you, you can't always get at home. And so for, for them to build this house of worship up is vital in your spirituality. It's vital in your walk. It's vital just in your life. Because we want God to speak to you. I'll speak for your pastor when we say, we want God and the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. We spend hours and hours putting sermons together only so you could hear a sentence from the Holy Spirit. And we hope you heard it. Sunday after Sunday. So I'm going to go ahead and just get right into it. I'm going to pray. Let me pray and, and just kind of get in, into the Word. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to hear from your voice, Lord. Father, we pray that you would just send your anointing into this place, Lord, that when we read your scriptures, that it would penetrate some minds and the souls in this place to do more for you. Father, that we can come to know your character even more because of what's being read. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this house, and we ask that you remain here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give, let's, you know, let's, let's give Jay a hand here. Jay, I, I don't ever tell you this, but I love you, brother. I love you. You know, we've known Jay for a long time. We've, we've all been connected together. We're just a community of believers that love Jesus. And it, it's an honor for me to be here. Um, I love your pastors, and, and they're an inspiration. I'm going to say it again. They're an inspiration. We miss them back home. Okay, this is their home, though. This is their home now, and we could see it, man. We could see them pouring into people's lives. We've seen lives being changed. And honestly, it's just a beautiful thing. They're an inspiration to us back home, and we love them. And we, we just we love you guys. Thank you so much. Mike, we love you. And you just have amazing pastors. And um, I want to get into it, and, and I want to tell you just a quick story in my introduction, okay? And so one time I had to go to India, all right? I had to go to India for, for work and spend two weeks there. And uh, it was a great time, but they kept, when I got there, they asked me, you know, they treated me, their hospitality was just absolutely incredible, right? So I get there, they asked me, you know, um, hey, what do you want to do on the weekend? And I said, well, you know, I want to ride an elephant. And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's a mandate that's passed. We can no longer ride elephants in the city. And I said, okay, well, I guess we'll just see what happens then, right? And so we got off topic. Friday rolls around. The work week's going, you know, it's coming to an end. And a lot of the workers are asking me, what are you going to do? I said, well, your management team's going to take me to ride an elephant. So I start telling them, and, and word gets around like, hey, um, they call me Boss Rob. Boss Rob still wants to ride an elephant. 
And I go, okay, and they go, okay. So they go, they come up to me, the management team, like, hey, um, I don't know if we can ride an elephant. And I said, guys, I gave you a week's notice <laughs> that I wanted this to take place. I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. So I get a call that evening. They're like, we found a way for you to ride an elephant. And I said, okay, we're going to pick you up early in the morning. And I have my boss with me. And I said, sounds good. Pick us up. So they pick us up. They go, it's going to be a three-hour car ride. And I'm like, oh, what did I just get myself into? They go, we're going to take you to this temple, and they have elephants there that you can ride. I said, exciting. Let's do it. Right? So I get there. I get to the temple. And then, you know, this temple's massive. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's hot. And, it, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Right? But, you know, I'm a man of faith of Christianity, so, I, you know, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, right? And so, I remember there was this line I saw forming inside the temple in one of the areas, and this line, it looked like everybody was standing in line so they can see this object, which you can kind of see, and I'm like looking, I can kind of see, it, but I can't. I have to get in this little room to see it, so I, I told my boss, let's stand in line, and let's see what's in there. And so he goes, all right, let's do it. So we get in there. You know, we're standing in line. Wait, like, like 10, 15 minutes. We finally get to, like, the front. And you could kind of, I'm, like, looking, like, what is in there? What are they worshiping? You know, and so I immediately get to the front, right? And this guy just comes out, and he goes, wham. And he, like, karate chops me right in the chest. And I'm looking at him, like, oh, what's going on? I kind of square up a little bit, like. Right, and then the people that were with me, they they finally see us standing in this line. And oh my gosh, they saw the guy hit me and everything. So people are rushing in. They come, they grab me, and they kind of grab me by the shirt and the hand. They're like, "Hey, we need to talk to you." I go, "What's going on?" They go, "You can't go in there. That's why he's doing that." And I said, "Why not?" Well, because you haven't been spiritually awakened yet, and you're Westerner. And I go. So is this like a race issue or that I can't go in there? And they go, no, you have to be, to, in order to see what's in there, you need to be spiritually awakened. And then I got in big trouble for saying this. But I was very angry at that moment because I just took a very long car ride. And I wanted to see what was in that room because people are in line for it. So my boss got really upset. But this is what I said. I said, my God wouldn't do that to you. And my boss looks at me, he goes, we need to go. And I knew I was in trouble at that moment. Right? So we get, we get in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the van, and they go, my boss goes, dude, I can't believe you told him that. I go, I'm sorry. I just, I, you know, I have a little bit of a reflex there. I, got, I, I, I would just think that if they're trying to, you know, show me this temple and convert me, that I'd be able to see what was in the Holy of Holies. You know, and, and so I, I, I'm, I'm, he's like, it's okay. You know, I know how you are, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, I was talking with, with the people, the locals that were in the van with me that took us there, and they began to explain how that place is extremely holy. You have to be spiritually awakened to see what is in there. I said, what's in there? He said, it's an idol. It's, a, it's like a relic. It's like a relic of the faith, of their faith. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, all the more reason why I should have seen it. Because it's from, you know, it's part of their faith. And I continued on. I, this narrative of, yeah, I'm just saying, man, my God, he doesn't do that. 
He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, he wants to show you everything. He wants to show you the kingdom. He wants you to chase the kingdom. He wants to show you everything. So when we're in this moment of worship, as Pastor Mike was, was saying from, from, from the stage here, that God is just trying to connect with you. So when, he, when we're pulling, and when Pastor Mike's pulling you in and telling you, hey, you know, I want you to experience God, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. We take that very seriously. To the point where we, if we do it at my church and I'm scheduled to preach, Pastor Omar tells me, hey, uh, we're going to bench you today. Like during worship. And I'm like, I see it. I'm not going up there. God is moving. We don't want to disrupt that. So I thought I was going to get benched. The Spirit does that, man. He'll be like, hey, you had this plan? Nope. And it's the same with your life. Hey, you had this plan? Nope. I want to show you something different. And so what I want to talk to you about today is a form of spiritual awakening. Because I think a lot of us fall asleep. We have church. We get into church. And we, we, we get into the, the agenda and we begin to just kind of coast through it. And I want to share with you a story in Mark chapter 14. You can turn your Bibles there and get, go ahead and park on verse 32. But let me give you some historical context to this scripture before I begin to preach. Jesus just met with the disciples in the upper room. Okay, He met with the disciples in the upper room. And so what does he mean? He's pretty much telling them of the events to come, the things that are going to take place with his crucifixion, right, and his resurrection. So he begins to tell them that he's going to get arrested. He, he tells them, if I don't leave, the helper cannot come, meaning the Holy Spirit, okay? He also tells them that one's going to betray him. One of you are going to betray me, okay? And the disciples were warned about everything that was going to take place. And in just like two days, Jesus is going to be arrested and he's going to be crucified. But he says this, okay, as they're walking, he suddenly feels something. And I want you to just kind of understand the tone of Jesus' words that are being said here. In Mark chapter 14, verse 32, it says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to, deep, he began to feel deeply distressed and troubled. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Verse 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 39 says, once more he went away and, and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning a third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Then he says, enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. 
and here comes my betrayer. There are several points I want to bring out to you this morning about Jesus and the disciples. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus, number one, had a spiritual reflex. I imagine as he was walking with his disciples that suddenly he stops and he says, I am feeling deeply troubled inside. In other words, as he's walking and going about his day with his disciples, suddenly he has a feeling of being overwhelmed and distressed, the Bible says. This feeling doesn't cause him to kind of, oh, you know what, whatever, I'm not going to pray to God, or I'm going to go ahead and just sit this one out, or, you know, let's just continue to walk. I'm going to ignore it. It'll go away in just a few moments. No, this feeling brings him to a place of prayer. It was a spiritual reflex that got activated in that moment. See, Jesus is the greatest example. When we're going through a circumstance, when we're going through something, and maybe we feel a little anxiety, maybe we feel a little depression. A lot of times, you know, especially as men, what we do is we say, oh, it'll pass. It'll just go, it'll go away. But what Jesus is doing here is something different. He begins to contend. Something is not right in my spirit, therefore I need to pray. And not only that, we're going to stop everything that we're doing right now. Disciples, you stay here, you watch, and you pray because of how I'm feeling. In other words, brothers, I'm feeling a certain way. Let's pray. Let's overcome this right now. See, because Jesus in this moment, he begins to say, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. See, the actions we take sometimes don't involve any spirituality. Sometimes we run to God last minute. Sometimes we don't even open our Bible. But really, what we're trying to do, or what Jesus is trying to do, is to kind of show us and the disciples that there is a spiritual intuition that we all have that we need to react on. There's a spiritual intuition when you receive Christ and you begin to believe in his word and the gospels, you should have a spiritual intuition that begins to activate in your life. You know, there's one time I get, you know, this happens frequently, but I get a text message or a phone call, you know, so-and-so, my family member is, is in the hospital. Can you come pray? Now, as a pastor and even as an assistant pastor, sometimes I can't make that. Sometimes I can't be there for them in those moments. But you know what I tell them? I said, look, I can't make it, but guess what? You're going to pray for them. And you know what? I'm going to pray for you. So on this phone call right now, bow your head. And I pray with them. And you know what? That is activating a spiritual reflex. So what am I telling you to do? You need to walk in the spirit sometimes. You ever hear, you ever hear that, that, that phrase? It's a sentence, right? It's just a saying that actions speak louder than words. Action, it's the same in the spirit world. Yes, we want, to, we want you to pray, we want you to do that. But we also want you to action it out. We want you to exercise that reflex. We want you to increase that spiritual intuition. We want you to be awake. See, because when Jesus is saying to the disciples, remain here, keep watch, he's also saying this, and pray. He wants them to activate a spiritual reflex for the things that he is feeling and the things that he is going through. 
Let me tell you a quick story. I know that in my spirituality, I thank God all the time um, because of just like my health, right? I, I don't really do a great job of taking care of myself. You could probably tell, okay? But I thank God for my health all the time, right? Because I do want to live a long, healthy life. I, I do. I really do, you know? And, and, but I, I do realize that when I do go to the doctors, I do get a good report. And I'm like, how is that even possible? You know, <laughs> and so I'm just like, yeah, you know, great. Thank you, Lord. I just thank you. Thank God. And I, I, I remember one time there was a time in my life where mentally I just wasn't stable. I had taken on a lot of work at work and um, it was something I prayed for, something I wanted. I got the promotion. I got the job and I took on a lot. And it started to affect my spirituality to the point where um, I started getting anxiety. Uh, I wasn't sleeping anymore. I had stopped sleeping, like completely insomnia. And then I stopped, uh, I started to feel depressed because I just, I wasn't sleeping. If you don't sleep, you're going to feel sad. It's just, and and I, I went through this heaviness in my life to a point where my pastor would always, you know, say like, hey, can you put a Bible study together? Or can you teach? You know, we have a new semester coming up. Uh, and I'm like, I had to finally tell him like, no, because I'm just feeling like, honestly, you telling me that just makes my heart race, and I don't know why. And I had no answer for it. And I felt like I was being muzzled. I felt like I knew, because people had told me, and, and prophets have even told me, like, you're called to teach and preach. And for the first time, I couldn't do it. And I felt so bad, and I felt terrible. And I, and I finally came out, because I, I wasn't telling my, my pastor, and my wife had to deal with it. But I finally came to him and I said, listen, I need to talk to you, man. My spiritual reflex just kind of perked up. You need to talk to your pastor. I went to the doctor and they tried to give me meds. And I said, no, I, I don't want the meds. I don't want the meds. I'm not accepting that. And, and I, I remember telling my wife, like, I need to tell my pastor. So I went to the doctor before I even went, told my pastor. And so I said, I never do this, pastor, but I need you. I need you bad. I need you, like, immediately, man. Like, I need to talk to you, like, tomorrow. Like, that's how much I need you. And so I begin to tell him. He, he makes himself available um, because I had never done this before with him. So he stopped everything, and I felt his concern. And so he stopped everything, and I begin to tell him what I was going through. And you know what he told me to do? He goes, okay, let, let's all stand. Let's pray. I looked at him like, are you crazy? Bro, I need something, man. Like, I, like he got me, you got anything else for me? He's all, no, we just need to pray. I said, no way, dude. That's it? I'm telling you, Pastor, I've been praying. I've been praying. Like, I can't sleep at night, so I read God's word, and sometimes I can get 20 minutes of sleep. But I'm telling you, me and my wife, my wife's been praying for me because I, I, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I feel like I'm going crazy. And he goes, yeah, but we're going to pray. So I stood there all bitter. And I took the prayer. Took it good, too. I said, thank you, Pastor. Appreciate your time. I was classy about it. But I wasn't happy. Because I still felt the same. Even sitting in service, my heart was racing. And I didn't even do anything that day. I was just sitting in service. I just couldn't, I just couldn't figure out what was going on. So then my wife, she likes to do crafts and stuff. Some of you know that. So she goes, I want to go to Joanne's. And all I wanted to do was go home after church. I'm like, all right, we'll go to Joanne. I don't know if they have Joanne's out here, but it's like a craft store. Okay, okay. 
So it's a craft, it's a craft store. And so I don't really like that store. Um, my wife knows that. It's not a secret. Um, I'm not a fan of that store. Uh, it just doesn't have anything there for my liking, right? And I remember walking around, and we're just kind of walking. And I, I, I went off to go find something I like. I knew it wasn't going to happen. But, you know, I just, I'm just letting her do her thing. And all of a sudden, for a moment, it was just for a moment. And it was, it was on a Sunday. I'll never forget it. I kind of looked up at the ceiling, and then I felt peace. And I started to realize at that moment that God was speaking to me that suddenly he's saying, look, I'm going to give you what it feels like to have peace because I know you're in torment. I'm going to give you just a little second of it. And that was just enough for me to go home with a different attitude. And as I'm on the car ride home, I started to realize I'm so thankful for my pastor. I'm so thankful that he prayed for me. I'm so thankful. and Because all I wanted was that peace again. So I told my wife, grab the kids. We're going to go to the park. And we begin to walk. My daughter was just taking her first steps, right? So I'm walking with her, she's taking her first steps. Again, the peace came back. This time for a moment longer. Then I realized, you know what? I need to, I need to read, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can put a Bible study together like I'm used to doing. And I could do it. And I remember I tried doing it, my heart started racing again. So I stopped. I woke up the next morning and then I realized, let me try this again. And then the peace started to come back slower, more. And more, I begin to thank God. I begin to praise him. I begin to give him praise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Give me, give me more of that, please. Give me more of that peace. I know you have it, so let me have more of it. And so I started to feel better and better. And then it went from like a half day I felt good to like, hey, I'd grab my wife's hand. I said, hey, I'm feeling anxiety again. I don't know why. And then we would pray. And then I'd feel peace. And now I started to get control of what was taking over me. I realized at that moment that I needed more spiritual capacity in my life. That I wasn't doing it enough. I was going off my own knowledge. Going off my own agenda of Sunday mornings, of going to church Wednesday, going to service, midweek service, and even even on Fridays going to connect group. I got through, I had this just complete religious thing nailed down, but it wasn't enough spiritual capacity in my life. And so here we see the disciples kind of in a familiar setting that I found myself in where Jesus specifically told them to watch and pray. But they fell asleep three different times. And each time Jesus gave them instruction over and over for what they were supposed to be doing. You're supposed to watch and pray. See, you know why the disciples fell asleep in those moments? It's easy. Because they, honestly, they... They were not praying. They let their mind, their brain waves, started to flat a little bit. They got cozy, kind of like when you watch TV before bed, right? You're watching, but, you know, your eyes are starting to doze off. It was the same for them. See, when he's telling them to watch and pray, he's telling them to pick up your activity. He's telling them, increase that spirituality, awaken a little bit. Wake up a little bit spiritually. Start praying. Start talking. Because you know when you start praying, if you're praying and you're praying in the Spirit, you're not going to fall asleep. When you begin to pray, it's going to keep you awake. It's going to aliven you. There are times that probably even Pastor Mike's tired and he's got to preach. But I'll speak for him because I know know how he is. I know him. The moment he sees God's Word and he sees his sermon in front of him, 
boom, all that tiredness goes out the door and he's beginning to preach. That's exactly how it is with spirituality. It wakes you up. It begins to speak to you, to speak in your life. So you need to build the spiritual capacity in your life because the disciples realize at that moment that they don't have enough spiritual capacity to just even watch and pray. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. So in other words, when you're in a circumstance where you're feeling turmoil or you have confusion or you have decisions to make in your life and you're waiting on God, while you're waiting, you should be praising. You should be doing something different. Not just sit there and say, God, I'm waiting to hear your voice. Lord, I'm waiting for the next prophet to come into church and give me the word. That's not how it works. You've already been given the the instruction as disciples to watch me and pray. In other words, stop waiting for something to take place, some event, something to happen. Go get it. And I love that this church, when I walk into it, there's contending happening before I even walk in as a, pre- as a preacher. People are already contending because that's what you have to do. You have to go get it. And if you don't get it, somebody else is going to get it. Somebody else will watch and pray. You are called to be watchmen in this place. You are called to, to, help, to help guide God's people if you're sitting in this house. This is not just a place where we're actually... Just going to, hey, you know what? We want to see disciples built out of here. We want to see disciples being built. People that experience God to the point like, hey, you know what? I've experienced God, and I've experienced that life is better with him. I love my pastor. He told me earlier this year, he said, hey, you know what? Sometimes we just got to tell people life is better with Jesus. Because, you know, honestly, I, my life, I have a good job. I have everything. I have everything I need. But you know why I have that? is because I I was able to overcome things because God intervened in my life. God started to give me blessings. I didn't talk to you about my work work life when when I was going through these things. It was crazy. And people were leaving the company left and right because of what I was feeling. I've talked to people. They were feeling the same thing. But you know what? I had Jesus on my side. So when everyone left, promotion, 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 and I had peace. But I had a ton of work, but you know, I just look at the work. Hey. Oh, well, can't do that in a day. But I have peace because God gave me that peace. And so, church, you have to understand that you are watchmen. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 2, it says this, Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchmen responsible for their deaths. It's a great responsibility. But God's looking for watchmen. He's looking for people that are going to watch what the enemy's going to do. He's looking for people to watch, try to divide the church. He's looking for people 
that are, are willing to step up and say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I want to help you with this church. I want to be a watchman for you. I want to help make sure that we cultivate a culture that believes in the Spirit and the Word of God. Church, you're on watch. The problem is a lot of us don't know that. You're not realizing it. Just like the disciples, Jesus himself is telling them, watch and pray. Your pastor is pretty much telling you every Sunday, watch and pray. Watch what God's going to do and pray. Watch God get you out of that circumstance and pray. Watch what God is going to do for this city and pray. That's what's happening. But if you're just sitting there and you're just kind of watching, you're not praying, what's going to happen? Your eyes are going to get heavy. You're going to start to doze off a little bit. You're going to get sleepy. You know, when you get sleepy, you know what happens? You stop coming to church. You don't see the value because your eyes are closed. You're sitting in your own darkness. You begin to hear your own thoughts and think they're correct. You begin to meditate on yourself and your own understanding. Sorry, but Jesus told me something a little different. Do not lean on your own understanding. And so you begin to close your eyes and it's you, because you just wanted to watch when God is telling you to pray as well. Do you know what Jesus is trying to tell them to do? He's, he's trying to kick up their spiritual intuition. But he noticed that three times they just didn't get it. See, the thing about it, church, is I think sometimes we look for always a physical solution to everything. Where we're just saying, you know what, I, I, Lord, I need this check in the mail, right? And I've said those prayers. But sometimes we just need a spiritual solution. And so prayer, when he's telling them to watch and pray, Jesus understood there's nothing that can take this heaviness away other than the Father. There is that feeling that Jesus had at that moment. He knows that there's nothing. There's no amount of money. There's not a car. There's not, there's not a situation. Nothing else can take the heaviness away that he is going to experience other than the will of the Father and reach out to him. And it was through prayer that they find that. In other words, church, get around some brothers, some sisters that are going to pray with you because that spiritual intuition needs to pick up. Some of you have a great spiritual reflex. Others, probably not as much, and that's okay. But you're in the right place this morning to get it. Because we want you to experience that spirituality where you do look at things in a spiritual sense. Because anybody, I tell you, when I walked into the doctors about my anxiety, medication was like the first thing he went to. I said, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm, I, don't, I don't need it. You could stop writing that prescription. I, I'm not going to use it. Oh, you're not? I said, no. I know. And I actually remember telling him, like, I'm going to talk to my pastor. You know, if, if it's bad, then I'll come back. You know, and so I remember having that conversation with my doctor. And so, again, we always run to some physical answer for a physical, you know, solution or, or for, to, to a physical problem. And I'm telling you, church, the more you pray, and you get the spirit realm involved in that circumstance, it could shift your physical realm. It could shift your physical circumstance. 
In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul writes this in chapter 5. But you, brothers and sisters, writes this in chapter 5, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. I love that. What Paul's telling the people there, it's, like, it's simple. We need to be awake spiritually. See, the third point I want to bring out this morning is that the disciples were, were asleep because they didn't see value in spiritual preparation. And you're probably like, well, I'm here. I see value in spiritual preparation. No, I'm talking about the spirit side of your life and where it is. Do you want more increase or do you just want to remain the same? I was told one time when I got saved, when you begin to accept Jesus at the altar, some people at that altar have already made a decision of how far they're going to take their salvation. Some of you are stuck there. You made a a declaration to the Lord, but you also put up a barrier at that same moment. And you are living behind that barrier to this day. Saying, God, I believe you, but I don't truly trust you. God, I believe you, but I can't consider you the actual king in my life. And when you sit here and you say it, I said it earlier, it's not enough. Actions need to speak louder than words. You need to show God, hey, this is how much I trust in you, Lord. See, you may value your spiritual life, you may value it, but is it considered critical to your life? You know, I, I, um, I'll tell you a quick story about me and my wife. We, uh, we wanted to buy some property in California. It's very expensive, okay? And so I didn't have a whole lot of money. I had just enough money, okay? This was years ago. And I said, you know what, um, let's go try. And it was awful. We would look at homes that are just tore up, beat up. You know, we want the best for our kids, of course. And, and it was just difficult, man, to find a house. And I remember, I, told, I finally told my wife at one point, like, hey, the only thing we're going to be able to, to afford is something, you know, by the church, but in a rough area, in a very rough area. Okay, and, and if you don't know, um, you know, you, I lived in a very bad area for like seven years. Loved it. I did. I loved it. I don't know what it was, but I looked at that area. God gave me some kind of vision. And you know what? I remember telling my wife, though, I want to move by the church so it's not a burden to go to church. Right? And I didn't realize the impact that that would make. We move in, and I kid you not, man, it it was bad. I don't want to get into it. It's not far from Compton. You could put it together. Okay? It, it 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 was just a bad area. And then I would tell people at church, they go, hey, Rob, you bought, you bought a condo. I said, yeah, I did. I bought a condo. They're like, where are you at? And I tell them where they're at, and they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, what? It's not that bad. Like, why'd you do that? I'm like, uh, I'm like, it's not that bad, honestly. It's like, no, that's bad. Let me tell you the history of it. And, you know, if, if you ever go to my church, you come visit us one day in California, you know, we have people that are from the streets, man. Like, from the streets, completely transformed completely transformed. And I've got to see what God's done in their lives. But even them, they're like, dude, no, I, you honestly, right over there, I robbed that store. And over there, you know, I think I stabbed somebody over there. And so they would talk about like, oh, there's this gangs here, watch out. And one guy came up to me and he goes, hey, if you have problems, let me know. 
I'm like, it's not that bad. My lens was completely different. I realized that I moved next to my church and I was excited because I was commuting to church like 30 minutes. And I did that for like six years or seven years. And I was so happy to be by my church. And Pastor Omar just told me, I, I bought a new home. I'm, I'm out of rough areas now. Because I said, like I said, God is good. Okay? I'm out of, I'm out of rough areas now. And um, I mean, I did everything in that house, man. Uh, Mercy, you're a big part of that too. You, you remember that. Um, we had, there was no parking because it was so, and it was just so bad. But people would come and we would have connect group there for year, for seven years. We would be singing praise and worship music, and people would hear that. And, and so I was known as the square guy on the block. And so I'd come out, and when i come out, I, I hear like a loud bang. It was obviously a gunshot. I'd go outside to go look at it. And then I'd see people kind of around like, and then they'd see me, they're like, hey, Rob. But every time I talked to them, they would just be sweating because they were so nervous around me because I was square. Like, and so they would, but I realized what a light we became for that place. And, and honestly, man, I remember my pastor just told me, like, and I'm sharing this with you guys because I think somebody in here, I think some of you in here are pastors, just not yet. My pastor told me, he goes, you know, when you move there, and he just recently told me this, when you move there, that said a lot. I go, why? He goes, I wouldn't move there. <laughs> it said a lot. And you, you, you know what he told me? This uplifted me so much. He goes, the whole church saw what you did. And you know what? Not many people would do what you did. And honestly, to this day, I thank God I moved there. And there's more to that but it, it, because that place helped me jump into my new place. And just let God take over, man. Just let God take over. You won't know about your spiritual reflex church unless you begin to exercise it. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Go out and tell people about Jesus. Go bring people into this church. Let them hear the tongues. Let them hear the praise and worship. Let them feel awkward in their seat. Let them. Because that could save their soul and their life, but their soul more importantly. Because serving God, is, it's just better. It's just better, church. You know, I'm, uh, I'm constantly thinking about ways to improve spiritually, and I think it's because of the teachings of the church. You know, but the enemy is constantly finding ways trying to destroy me, trying to destroy my church, trying to destroy relationships. You have to know about those things. And, I, you know, one thing I, I think we get caught up in, just like the disciples, it brings me to my fourth point. I'm going to go quick. The disciples were spiritual as they wanted to be in that moment. Jesus had to tell them three times. But in their mind, they had already made a conscious decision to not follow those direct instructions. In other words, he had to tell them three times, and then he got upset. You notice Jesus got upset in the scripture. But he... He had to say it three times. In other words, they were as spiritual as they wanted to be in that moment. Sunday comes around, we want to be spiritual. Monday comes around, oh, I don't know, yeah, let's, or I got a vacation in Cabo San Lucas, and, you know, I don't need to be spiritual on vacation, right? I can let go a little bit, let loose, you know, find some substance to give me joy. You know, again, you're, you make a commitment. 
It's every step you're walking with Jesus. Yeah, Pastor Mike may not be with you on vacation in Cabo, but it's okay. Jesus knows. You know, and, and I want you guys to walk in that manner. Where you're walking like, hey, I got I to gotta make sure that when nobody's watching, Jesus is still watching. And nobody, Jesus is the ultimate watchman. Yeah, I read you a scripture about it and he talks about it, but he's the ultimate watchman. So I'm telling you to make that decision to wake up. Make that decision to wake up. There are, your pastor, it's just two people, it's just them. But do you, do you realize that the vision is, is, is to reach all of Hutto here and then go even farther and farther and farther? The vision is great, church. But they can't do it alone. You're called to be watchmen. You accept Jesus in your life, you're a disciple. Start acting like it. Start responding in the manner of being a disciple. Start responding in that manner. My favorite part of this scripture, this passage that I read to you of Jesus, my favorite thing that he does is he's got a mamba mentality. Let me show you. He had, you know, through his spiritual reflex, Jesus had resolve. And this is something that I think a lot of believers don't quite understand. As he's feeling that heaviness, as he's feeling like he's jacked up, messed up, he tells everybody to stop, pray. I'm going to go in this garden, I'm going to pray. As he gets in the garden, he begins to pray, he gets his answer. He gets his answer. And you know what he's praying about? You know what's heavy on his heart? Is he's praying about things that are going to happen. There's the preparation. The reflex gives him resolve in that when he is done praying and he finds them still asleep and not praying, he says this, rise. In Mark 14, 42, he says, rise. Tells his disciples, get up. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. He was willing to do it. He had resolve. Some of you need resolve in your life. We all need resolve in our life at one point or another, in a circumstance, in a situation. But I'm telling you, we need to wake up during those times. And sometimes we need to pray before, not during. It shouldn't be an emergency. It shouldn't be an emergency. It should be like, okay, I knew this. I knew the enemy's coming because I've been serving God. I knew the enemy was coming, so... Where's my betrayer? Where's he at? My circumstance, where's it at? I got Jesus now. I'm feeling better. Where's it at? My anxiety, where's it at? Bring it again. You want to muzzle me, keep me from speaking the word? You want to keep me quiet at the dinner table when my family's not saved? Where's it at? Bring it. Where's the enemy at? So I can lock eyes on him. Where's he at? Where's my betrayer? What's going to tear me down? Because I want to be awoke. I want to be awakened to the point where the Holy Spirit begins to tell me things about the people in front of me so I can get them saved. I want the next level. I want the next revelation in my life. I want, I want what God has for me, not what somebody else has for me, not somebody else's plan that they've laid out for my life. 
not what the news outlet tells me to do. I want what God is telling me to do. Because serving God is better. It's just better. And if your life's good now, it could be way better if you would just serve God appropriately. Say, God, I relinquish it to you. Yeah, you may feel that you sound crazy to people that don't know about Jesus. But man, it's so much better when you serve him to that capacity. Thanks for tuning in to the Reclaim Church podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to stay up to date with the church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX.